joined this afternoon by Mike Morini, team manager for HMD. Sir, first off, how are you? Enjoying a rare kind of day off? Uh, it's a, just a day off because they make us have a day off every now and then. <laughs> um, back on the track tomorrow, I guess, pending any any rain. Um, yeah. So we'll see how that plays out tomorrow morning when we get up. But uh, yeah, uh, day off. Yeah, just uh, those Friday, Saturday races are difficult because you don't really feel like it's Sunday and it's, then it's yeah. straight into Monday again. So here we are. So for those who don't remember, you know, last time we talked, you're still, you know, team manager, you're in charge of all nine. Is it nine, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, well, I'm actually the general manager. AJ Smith okay. is the, the team manager at the shop. But um, when it comes down to the business side and, and dealing with the series and the parents and the contracts and lawyers and payments and stuff like that, that's that's where I come into play. All the fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> fun. <laughs> so with with nine cars and, and kind of, you know, having I'm guessing some some work on the IndyCar side, let's let's start with a simple question. Do you ever get to sleep? No, um, not <laughs> during race season anyways. So, uh, you know, I always, my wife and I joke, joke a lot. It's like, uh, in December it's, I feel bored, right. You know, get up at six or seven and, you know, lollygag through the day. And then you get into March and your, your alarm's set for four thirty, And then the kids go to bed at night at, you know, seven thirty, eight o'clock and you're back on your computer until 11. Um, but it's just part of it. I mean, it's, it all averages out in the end. Um, it's just right now it's, you know, difficult, it's busy. Um, not to mention the new shop and, you know, all that stuff that's, that's coming through the pipeline for us. So it's, uh, and I run my own business as well. So it just, you know, everything adds up, but it's, uh, it's good in the end. I'm not, I'm not complaining. Good. So you guys are obviously, I mean, having some success, especially in Indy next right now. Um, how are you feeling sort of about the progress of the team? Obviously it's a big task to take on as many drivers as you have this season, but it, I mean, it seems to be, going relatively smoothly so far yeah i think at the for us at the beginning of the year we we you know we anticipated some growing pains i guess you could say having nine engineers and or 10 engineers i guess now and, and a couple days work together um that was the biggest fear um you know a lot of engineers sometimes have their own way of doing things and their own thoughts and and but it's really been pretty seamless um we're actually established some uh some good programs where they're all working together, all communicating together all the time. Um, and I'm actually in those, in those conversations or in those chats. So I see everything, which, which helps me go to, you know, drivers and their families and their partners and say, look, this is, you know, this is what we're doing. This is what's going on. So yeah, it's been good, you know, on that sense. Um, you know, the, again, it is nine drivers. It is 50% or 46% of the field. So, you know, when one driver wins or, or one driver is leading the points and then he's running around in, in fifth or sixth one race and there's a driver in front of him. You can't, you can't ask that driver to move out of the way because they're, you know, they're in the same program and same race that we are. So um, the biggest thing we keep telling everybody is listen, whether you're nine drivers under the tent or two drivers under the tent, if there's 18 drivers in the field, you're still racing 18. Um, we try to have the one rule, um, which was in effect before Barber, but came into more of effect after Barber is the only, the only rule we have is don't hit your teammate um and at all costs so um yeah we just try and you know implement stuff to keep everybody going our goal is we want to finish one through nine we don't care which one of them wins but we just want to finish one through nine and you know start establishing ourselves for next year as well you have kind of an interesting 
thing going on with Josh Pearson missing, you know, a handful of races for for Weck and Toby Sowery stepping in. How did that, you know, from from your standpoint, did you guys reach out to Toby and say, hey, you know, we've got a couple races that are probably open and, you know, can you can you make the trip overseas here? No, um, I mean, Toby is he's you know, he's been in, he's like a lifer for HMD, right? He was uh, the <laughs> yeah. guy who scored the first team win back in 2019. So he uh, it, I don't I don't remember exactly how it came up. I, I, I do know that um, his manager or his the person that was helping him out, who is uh, I won't mention names, but Indianapolis and yeah. European based. Um, he came and asked me if there was a, a potential of a driver joining the program. And I said, yeah, I mean, we always have potential. It just depends on, you know, where we are in the season and what's going on. And he said, oh, you know, well, that driver is uh, is Toby Sauer. And they're like, whoa, well, that's that's more than just a person, right? That's a driver. Sure, you know, let's, sure. let's talk. And then uh, it, it came to, you know, what certain races were available. And they, they didn't quite have the budget for the full season. Um, I know he's trying to line up some stuff for next year, uh, you know, in bigger, in bigger programs. So um, any way that we could help out, we said, Hey, we would love to. Uh, and and it came to about where, you know, where Josh was missing these three races and Toby had budget for three or four races. So we said, well, would you be interested in doing this? And it, it happened pretty quick. I mean, it was a few emails back and forth with the manager. And, and I actually thought at first, I'm like, this is a, I didn't want to say a scam, but this is like, this is never going to happen. Right. Like it's just too easy. Uh, I haven't even, I haven't even talked to Toby and I, I mean, I know his mom and dad, so it was, it was a little bit too easy. And then it all came out and then they asked for the contract. And I was like, Whoa. And then they asked for the invoice the invoice. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I guess we're racing. Um, and he wasn't even over here. He was, he, I know the last, he, where he was at the time was out of my, you know, I don't know, but I know he raced the radical world finals in November. Yeah. I through my other business had some people there and they kind of knew who he was. So when he came to, um, he came to the shop in Indian, got, you know, fitted for the seat and fitted for the car and stuff like that. I mean, when we went into Barber, it was zero testing, not one single lap. He sat in the car in the shop and literally met his engineers, took his hand and they went to work. So for him to do what he did, I thought was pretty, you know, pretty good. I know he, he ran a different car during the test at mid Ohio because of Ernie and, and, you know, broke his wrist. Yeah. Um, so he was in that car, the force Indy car, um, just for the day to, there was a new engine in that car. So kind of wanted to make sure it got on track and make sure everything was good for good for that. Um, uh, but also for his sake, it was an extra day in the car leading up to Detroit. So, um, I think in Detroit, it's, I think you'll see an even better Toby in Detroit. Only reason yeah. why is He's a little bit older, a little bit more mature than some of the drivers that are in the series. He has a little bit more experience and it's an equal and level playing field for everybody. I mean, everybody tested that barber, but Toby. Um, so now we're going to a street course um, that nobody's been at. So it's uh, and it's a new layout, new location, new everything. So uh, I think, I think you'll see a, a Toby that's maybe even further up the grid there. So switching gears just a little bit, I wanted to, get your story about sort of how you came to join HMD. I know you've been there since sort of the beginning, since it shifted from BN racing in 2019, but obviously you've mentioned your, your other business a few times too. So how did you sort of uh, take this HMD role on in addition to um, the RTD <laughs> job that you do? Yeah, it's uh, I mean, I've known Henry and the Malukas family ever since David was seven or eight years old racing go-karts. Um, I had my own karting team for a while. Um, we had, you know, I had worked, closely with the Weldons and Dan Weldon specifically, we were, you know, in the process of starting a, you know, a, an elite level karting program. I continued on with those ideas just on a much smaller scale. Obviously I didn't have, you know, the money and the funding to do all that kind of stuff. You know, as we rolled through karting into 2016, 17, the pol political side of that got a little bit 
too much. Um, and, you know, people started kind of undercutting others. And it was just a matter of like, you know, to make the same money that I was doing in 10 races with 10 drivers, I needed to have 12 drivers and do 15 races. So essentially I was, you know, working, you know, 50% more and making the same amount of money. Um, and I had to deal with more expenses and everything. And that's what I didn't quite realize at the time being, you know, a little bit younger that it was, uh, you know, I, I, I saw the money coming in, but I never saw the money going out. So that was the, you know, the difficult side for me. So, uh, I went to Toronto, uh, a few, a few races for Henry Toronto's my, you know, my hometown. I was born and raised, um, just North of there and kind of just helped out here and there where I could and, and kind of gave Henry some, what I thought, what I saw, what I thought about the program. And, um, you know, right after Toronto in 2000, I think 18 or 2019, he asked me, Hey, he goes, Hey, can you, are you willing to help some more? And I said, yeah, no problem. And, and, you know, kind of just elevated from there. Um, I mean, he's a great, great guy to work for. He, he, he wants, he doesn't need to do motorsports, right? He's, he's got a very successful trucking company. Um, and everybody thought he was just doing, you know, the team for his kid. Uh, and that was the fear of a lot of the people that work there. So, you know, at, when we came in and started developing these programs and started developing, you know, more drivers and a winning program. And then when David moved on, the program continued to win, right? It was, then Linus was winning and now we're in this year and there's nine drivers. So it kind of got that, um, that feeling now that people are more attracted to the program, that the son is gone, the son of the owner is gone and the program is, is still there. Um, and there's obviously with the new shop, there's bigger and better plans for the future as well. Um, when those happen, who, who, who knows? I mean, it's, it's, everything is about money and relationships and in, in motorsports. So we'll continue to, to work those as much as we can, but um, I've become actually pretty close to the Malukas family between um, like on the radio with David for the IndyCar races. Now um, Henry's basically given me the, the hand, the keys to the the business side of, of HMD motorsports, Indy next program. Um, we, I speak with him every single day. I deal with Diva, his wife, every single day on the accounting side of it. So they're well in tune, but I'm, I'm, I guess you could say I'm their eyes and ears within the program. So I had an Indy Lights question, but I'm going to say their Indy, Indy next Indy question. Next. You, got, sorry, you got to put sorry. a dollar in the jar. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Frenchie can, can count. I, I still, I still get it wrong, like pretty much every week at this point, <laughs> but you know, as you know, you're on the radio with, with David and you've seen him in the last year and a quarter in IndyCar how have you seen him you know, grow as a driver from you know St. Pete 2022 until you know in uh, the GMR this weekend? Yeah, actually, I'll actually back to back up to 2020. Yeah. So David led the the one and only practice session in 2020, um, like a you know snotty a snotty nosed little kid <laughs> leading an Indy next Indy lights back then Indy next session yeah. now, uh, and he was like motivated that year, and I mean. The big thing is, is like Henry and I talk about this all the time is what happens if that season went forward and David wins the championship and he's an IndyCar at a young 17, like a, a very young 17. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the year off to do FR, then the next year of, of Indy next, uh, and then a move to IndyCar. I think that actually helped him more than, than hurt him. Um, sure. People are always anxious to move up, but it's uh, what he, you know, what you learned not moving up, I think helped him more than you know, than than moving up sorry i guess i'm just kind of lost my words there but um so but a year of it like he raced against linus in fr between you know they raced 18 races between the two of them they won 18 races so linus obviously got the majority of them then the next year you know david finished second in the next uh next to kirkwood 
um, Kyle, who's who's having a great year in at Andretti, and then Linus the following year helped us win the team championship and our first Indy Next championship. So um, for his growth, I think it started back in 2020. It didn't start when he got into IndyCar, but uh, like St. Louis last year was a big thing for him, um, finishing on the podium. Um, and and his engineer at the time, Roth, who's now Scott Dixon's engineer, uh, really you know was a good. He was the best person probably to have in his corner at that time because he was pretty much understanding and they were more of best friends, I think you could say than, sure. than engineer driver. Um, you know, Ross, Ross moved on this year and, and Alex is his engineer now. And I um, mean, never really skipped a beat in Texas. He was, you know, Lil Dave was battling at the front of the field, as he says. So um, I think those two races in particular helped him, but also like this past weekend, yeah, he, he finished whatever he finished, uh, maybe a total of 18 corners, 19 corners altogether. And he got, he got hit from behind by a teammate, but I mean, those are the kind of things that help you help you grow. He he shrugged it off, and I mean, the minute it happened, and he was back in the motorhome or back in the garage, he was like, "Okay, now I'm in Indy 500 mode." So, I think that David in 2020 wouldn't have been able to do that. I think he would have beat himself sure. up about being in the wrong position at the wrong time and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, people say, yeah, he's he's still the youngest driver in the field, but if you talk to him on a regular basis, he's probably one of the most mature um, drivers, or he's he's definitely mature beyond his age. Agreed. So you obviously work pretty closely with Linus. You've mentioned him a few times, and uh, we we see that he's going to have a test here uh, in an Indy car coming up not in not too long. Um, what do you what do you think about him? Like makes him special? I guess that he was the first one that won the championship for you guys in Indy Next. And what do you think would be his? I mean, what what is Ray Hall? I guess going to see when they test him. Are they going to be impressed? I, I think I'm guessing yes. Yeah, I mean. But- I- I know they, they tested him in, in Texas on the oval already. Um, I, I think they were the way that lean, when I spoke to Linus after the, after the test, um, they were practicing a lot of things, like a lot of race runs. They were testing a lot of race runs. So he, he actually did, I think like a race and a half or two races worth of track time um, at, in Texas, which is a lot for a test. Um, so I think they were pretty impressed with his feedback and pretty impressed with, you know, overall, I know it's the, the fastest he's ever gone in a car before. Um, so that's obviously the, you know, the very first thing that probably kept, caught him by, by surprise as well. This is pretty fast. Um, but then, you know, two weeks later, later or three weeks later, we had to do a, a Firestone test for, uh, or sorry, we had to do an Indy next test for Firestone and, um, it had to be a non-championship driver. So we, we elected to put him in the car, um, just because, I mean, the guy is, he deserves his shot. He rightfully went out and won the championship and probably one of the, the tougher fields, I would say in, in Indy next at the time. Um, but just, you know, he's in a position where funding is, is difficult. He's from Sweden, right? He doesn't have a lot of American. Coming up on five minute news. I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see, 
They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Colby Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flojo. Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star, a new series from Crowd Network. Business connections, and I think that kind of, that definitely hurts him on, on this side of the, the pond, I guess you could say. Um, but I've never seen a guy work harder in his life than, than him to get into an IndyCar. I mean, he, he pounds the pavement at every IndyCar race. He's driver coaching Kiffin Simpson right now. So he's in front of the, he's in front of the IndyCar team owners all the time. That's what helped him get this test with, with Ray Hall was, you know, being relentless on the phone and emails and, and visiting the shop and stuff like that. So I think his time will come. I think um, it sucks that he's not in a car full time. But and you don't want to ever see a driver get hurt. But I think if a driver does happen to get hurt or sick or you know can't do an event, um, I think he's prepared to do it. He's ready to do it. Um, he's strong enough to do it. He's trained to do it. Um, it's just a matter of giving the opportunity. And then you know I think for his sake, he needs to take advantage of that opportunity. How can he take advantage of it? And and we know what does he need to do to prove himself more? I mean, he proved himself by winning the championship. He proved himself to do a successful test. Now he just needs that race opportunity. Um, I think when he does have that it'll it'll be a lot easier for him so on the indie next front i got it right that time yeah. the, uh, <laughs> uh ernie francis you know hurt his wrist in barber and it looked like he might like do an opening lap in in practice or the race just to kind of get points because you know he was sitting fourth in points and Obviously, that didn't happen. I, you know, for whatever reason, but he was fourth in points. How much has he grown as a driver from year one to year two in Indy Next? From what you've been able to see, yeah. So obviously, with year one, he was they were a standalone team. It was one car yeah. effort, so um, very difficult to compete against. You know, four, five, six car programs now, eight car, nine car programs. So um, that was, I think, his major shortfall i guess you could say he didn't have you can't just go buy data from a team or you can't you know sure you can't learn from other drivers in the program so i think the switch over helped him right away he was i mean he was an indie test i think at the fall combine he was, he was pretty decent like big improvement right away um just be, being able to watch other people's video and, and look at data and stuff like that so i think um that helped the first two races of the year he was consistent um, yeah. wasn't the fastest driver, wasn't the slowest driver, but he was able to stay out of trouble, trouble and move forward. And I think that bodes well for, you know, for his future. Um, I mean, the kid broke his wrist on the first corner of the first lap at Barber and raced a 35 lap race after a red flag, he went back out there. And, uh, I know they put some ice cubes on it during the red flag, like under his <laughs> wrist to try and help him. And, and I scanned all the radios. I didn't even know any of this happened. Um, he kept it very quiet. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. And then he came to Indy. He, he wanted to race. I mean, he got fitted for a carbon fiber brace. He got, had the surgery done. He had, we had custom grips made for the steering wheel. Um, and you know, there was a little bit of confusion on, you know, doing the first lap to try to get points and, and not, um, at the end of the day, you can, you can't be cleared to do one. I learned one, something this weekend. You can't be cleared to start the race. You have to be cleared or not cleared. If you're not cleared, then you can't race. If you're cleared, then it's your decision whether you want to do one lap or not. So um, at the end of the day, he had to sit out. Uh, sucks for him, but I think uh, I think he'll be ready for Detroit. He got fitted for the car with the steering wheel and the braces on um, with everything in place. So uh, the plan is for him to to compete in Detroit 
he had a lot more movement on Saturday at the track than he did on Thursday at the shop. So I think he'll be, I think he'll be good to go. Nice. You go into a little bit of detail on the the Dale coin connection. Obviously that's sort of, I mean, relatively new for you guys, but mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you have the connection obviously in, in IndyCar, but what is it like in Indy next? Do you guys have any technical relationship with Dale coin in that way? Or is it just kind of uh, the connection of, you know, having the drivers be development for maybe future opportunities with Dale coin. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I mean, Daniel Frost tested with Dale in, in um, Sebring earlier this year. Um, there was an opportunity to, to have another driver maybe later on this year. Uh, I think the HMD brand in Indy next is a, is a growing brand. Um, and I think obviously with David being part of the HMD family and taking that, you know, that brand to Indy car is, is, you know, it just heightens the, perception of the whole program um have we learned some stuff from them have have they helped us with some stuff yes they have we've we've we actually called on them last year for a few occasions on on some certain things that that maybe they could uh we weren't maybe doing efficiently um yeah and they were able to help with that uh for dale um looking down in the indy next program is he has i mean he has his name on the indy next program right now um he if he has an opportunity for a driver to move up i mean with Daniel Frost doing the test at Sebring and having a successful test, is there a way for him to filter into a car if a driver, you know, can't do a race? I think now he would probably be one of the, one of the more ready drivers because he kind of knows that knows the car and knows the program. Um, at, at the track, we're totally separate. I mean, obviously the Indy car side and, and the Indy next side are, are, are different. Um, what we do a lot with is when we have partners or when drivers have partners that come to the program, we're able to show them around our program. And hey, this is the Indy next car. This is what we do. But there's an Indy car over there. We can go look at that, and we can show the differences. And um, no one, you can't really buy that experience. Um, and I think that's where we gain a lot of benefit. And for on Henry's side, he does the same thing. It's like, hey, come look at my kid over here, but come look at my program over here. And he he's able to you know pull those people together. So I have I have one more. You know the Indy lights. Indy next scholarship, uh, you know, package changed. I, I don't want to say unexpectedly, but maybe a little bit unexpectedly after, or, you know, around the time when Linus won last year. So there's a little bit more prizes on a weekend by weekend basis and, and less to the season. Does that change you know, from, from mm -hmm. your standpoint when you're budgeting out, you know, next season and you say, you know, this guy might be a you know championship contender Does that change how you budget out you know, a, a race by race type, uh, you know, thing from the business side? No, um, for us, we need, uh, you know, we know what the cost price is on a weekend. Um, we, we average our races out over the course of the season. So, okay. you know, people ask us, like, you know, you're racing in Indianapolis, that's cheaper than, or more affordable. I shouldn't say cheaper, cheaper in racing in the same sense. Don't go, but that's more <laughs> affordable than, than racing in California. And we're like, well, no, it's not. Cause we have the, uh, we have the same people in Indy that we do in, in California, um, in Indy, we may have less hotel rooms and no flights or less flights. And in California, we, um, you know, we have to fly in hotel, but I mean, we have rental cars and we have people, you know, sure. it, it's racing at home. I explained to Henry this weekend, racing at home is a lot more difficult than racing on the road. Um, you got friends and family and guests and all these people <laughs> that expect parking passes and suite passes and grandstand tickets. And I'd rather just race in Portland. And if somebody, you know, wants to come, they can get their own ticket and fly there and, and be in place. So, um, 
Yeah. So to go back to your question, do we budget differently? No, it's the same price for everyone, the same price across the board. Um, I think it's, um, you know, we want to win, right? So sure. we're always going to have the, and it's, it's, it's hard to say this, but you're going to have the driver who wins and you're going to have the driver who loses. Only one driver of the 20 that are in the field this year are going to win each race or there's going to be one winner. So um, one of the sayings that I've come to use a lot is like if the losers, if winning was easy, the losers would do it. And, um, you know, they have 14 <laughs> like chances to do it. They, they have 14 chances to do it this year um, in three races. There's been three winners. So we're on par with IndyCar right now uh, with five winners in five races. So, so that's pretty cool. That shows how, how diverse and how competitive the series is. Um, but yeah, for, for budget sake, we need to have, we need money coming in to cover the expenses going out. I mean, the engine leases and the tire bill, uh, it's, you know, people look at the numbers and go, what are you guys doing? Um, but it's just, I mean, it's built into the budget over the course of the season. So. Cool. That's all I got, man. Well, I know you've got a, a little bit of a day off here, so enjoy it. You've got a busy week. Good luck with everything. And We'll uh, we'll talk again at some point this year. Uh, day off. I've had uh, twenty four minutes with you guys and uh, eleven <laughs> emails. So I better have email every two minutes. So. <laughs> wow! Nice, nice. Well, uh, but no, yeah, yeah. Thank you for uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks very much. We'll uh, we'll talk to you again. Awesome. Thank you. See ya. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.